ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Jay Bone. It's Joe George behind the glass, and it is a Taco Tuesday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. My invention, Taco Tuesday. Boy, Blankers, Doc mm-hmm. Linville did a heck of a job. You look fantastic. Thank you. Thank Looks you. Great. A lot of people, I was walking through the hallway, and people are going, you look different. I go, yeah, because yeah. I'm not wearing a hat, and you can see I have hair. That's this why. Is, this is the first time I've, I think I've ever seen you without a hat. No. I'm kidding. It's been a yeah. while, though. It's been a little while. Hey, I've got news for you, by the way. Let's hear it. So I've been here a little bit, right? And and Joe and I have interacted pretty pretty regularly for, I'd say, the first 30 minutes or so. And all of a sudden, kind of casually, he yells over the, the cubicle, Hey, uh, by the way, uh, you were right. I go, oh, really? About what? <laughs> oh, I kind of talked to Esme, and I guess it's kind of my responsibility to let you guys know when we're going to have fire drills and things. So I'm like... Oh really? That's hmm. not news. That's not really news. Like I, I, I knew that. Like he's but he obviously apartment. didn't. He was in straight denial. I, know, I thought that's I the thought issue. everyone got the email. I was misinformed or just stupid. Both. At least you admitted it. It took <laughs> a while, but you owned it. Well, yeah, I had to ask for. I wasn't just going to own something that I wasn't totally sure I was wrong about. It took him twenty one. You weren't going to, to apologize it. for it last <laughs> night either. I'm still not going to apologize now. I can admit I'm wrong. He was defiant about it yesterday. He was, you got the email. Nah, here, here's my email. Here's everything I've been sent today. Not on there. Uh, I did radio yesterday with Joe George. Miserable hour that I had to spend because the, uh, I'm kidding. But the suits upstairs forced me to do that, that hour with him uh, because I'm only doing one hour today. I got to go across the street, call a little basketball. Um, but he brought up something yesterday. I can't even remember what, what it was, but it made my – it kind of was a ooh, light bulb moment, kind of an epiphany thought, where Jose Altuve doesn't have a contract right now. Uh, Dana Brown, whenever he – I think it was whenever he signed Josh Hader, and then the next day they had FanFest, and they asked him about Jose Altuve, things like that, and he's like, well, yeah, we, we haven't had conversations, which, like, I feel comfortable that they're going to talk in West Palm Beach. I feel comfortable that they're going to talk uh, when pitchers and catchers report on February 14th. Well, he's not a pitcher or a catcher. Whenever he reports to spring training, whenever he chooses, because he's the best player in franchise history. But I started to wonder – you know, the Astros have always been, and you know, this is only you know the first few years of Dana Brown, but the Astros have been an organization that lets their free agents walk, right? They, they let players go, and for the most part, they're right. They're right on Springer. They're right on Correa. Uh, Garrett Cole, the jury's still out. I think they were right on Verlander, not paying him the $43 million. Now, getting him at half of that a great move, I think. Um, are you starting to worry at all that Jose Altuve enters his final season with the Astros, entering spring training, and does not have a contract yet? I'm not, and I'm not because of the fact that there's a couple factors that play in here, and one is I I think that the last time he signed a deal, he signed it in spring training, and and I think that he's been pretty outwardly open to the fact that he wants to stay here, and I I think that Crane realizes, yeah, in some of those other circumstances, it was easier or it was a business decision that everybody understood if you moved on. This one, I don't think there's any wiggle room, and everyone expects it's a when, not an if. And so I worry less than I would if this was someone that was of a different caliber or not to the level of an Altuve with the, with his relationship with this organization. So I don't worry, and I'm not worried yet. Now, if we get to the regular season and they haven't talked yet or they're, they're, they're far apart, now that's when you would I, I conceivably have a lot of concern. I think part of like I, I have confidence that they're going to talk this out and get it done because you know it feels like Jose Altuve should be a lifer. Dana Brown has said that, but Dana Brown also said that they're going to lock up Kyle Tucker and have talks with Alex Bregman, and I don't think that those things are going to come to fruition and be true. Uh, I think Jose Altuve wants to be here too. Like, I, like it takes two to tango, and I think it's part of the reason that the relationship between Jose Altuve and the Houston Astros have lasted this long is because Jose Altuve took a very team friendly deal. 
uh, very early in his career. And even whenever they gave him a raise, it still is okay. Like, he's making an AAV of $23.3 million. So he's going to get paid $26 million. But that's super affordable for mm-hmm. the best offensive second baseman in baseball. Some people would say Mookie Betts, but Mookie Betts doesn't have enough games to qualify, in my opinion, at second base. He's also 34 years old. Like, we forget the fact because he's still playing at an incredibly high level and he's still, again, the best offensive second baseman in baseball and has an opportunity, if he can chase down some of these volume numbers, to be top three greatest offensive second baseman in the history of the game. We forget that he's 34 years old. So, like, we just assume, oh, yeah, Jose Altuve will be back. Yeah, Jose Altuve will be back. Yeah, of course Jose Altuve is going to be back. Crane wants it. Altuve wants it. Of course Jose Altuve is going to be back. But whenever you start to dig deep on it, like, what does that deal look like? Like, he's 35 years old. Is he asking for a seven-year deal? Like, what is is what is his demand? Remember, he's a Scott Boris guy. He is. Like, we forget he's a Scott Boris guy. So what is the demand that Jose Altuve is asking for? He's taken – Jose Altuve could have made far more money in his lifetime as a Major League Baseball player than he has. He has taken it one super-friendly team deal, and the second second contract that he signed, also pretty, pretty team-friendly. So if Jose – Jose Altuve at the age of 35 is like, I got one more contract left in me. I demand to be the highest paid second baseman in all of baseball. I want six to seven years. And none of us think that this is going to happen. But what if it does? Like, we have no idea what his demand is. What if he What if he says, I want $35 million each year for the next seven years? Well, I think that then you have a reasonable out clause from the court of public opinion with the organization and the organization just makes it all public and lays it on the line and said, we says we have, we had every intention of bringing back Jose Altuve and making sure he finished his career in an Astros uniform, but his demands and what he was adamant about what he needed in order for this relationship to continue was just so outlandish and so much more than we were budgeting and willing to spend that we were forced with the very difficult decision of having to move on from Jose Altuve. Like that's the, that's kind of the weird thing here is, we all assume that he's going to be back. We we all make because I'm right there with you. Yeah, of course he's going to be back. Of course, like you can you can pencil him into the future plans. He's he's here with Jordan for the next three to four years. He's here with Yiner for the next three to four years. He's here with Jeremy Pena. He's the you know those are the double play tandem for the next three to four season at Minute Maid Park. Well, the wrinkle in this could be, well, let's make one big cash grab before we retire and demand a number that maybe the Astros wouldn't be comfortable paying. Because I I personally, like whenever I put my feet into the shoes of a general manager, I'm not a fan of paying guys multi-year contracts whenever they're in their mid to late 30s. Jose Altuve is going to be 35 years old in 2025 in the first year of a new deal. So if he wants six years, that's something that I'm super uncomfortable doing. Let me ask you this. Do you think... Think it's going to be this is his final contract and let's settle it all now or do you think that he would be open to or they would be pushing for hey let's do three and then play it by ear from there whether it's because they are they're honest and they just say we just want to see where we are financially at that point and the flexibility we may yeah. need I mean Scott Boris is going to hear that and be like okay see ya like that's the thing like whenever we play contract on radio and this isn't just you and me this is fans these mm-hmm. are every single radio show host in the world they're like well yeah yeah they all they all come back to these team friendly deals when in reality it's not like that at all these agents are D's like these agents are very difficult are. to deal with they're very difficult to sit there and have these exchanging of numbers and like, hey, in three years, if we have some money, we'll give it to you. There's no way, Scott. No, no, and I'm not positioning well, it like that. This. Because, like, we sit there, and I'm not saying that you specifically. It's just whenever anybody talks contracts in general in life, it always comes around to this super team-friendly deal to the, the local team. Oh, yeah, if he can do, you know, we'll, get, we'll pay him fairly at $7 million for two years, and then we'll evaluate it after the third year. It is very difficult to be realistic whenever we exchange contract numbers for any sport that ever exist whenever you're talking about your local favorite team. I just th- and I don't mean that they're going to be looking for like, hey, work with me here from that perspective. But we know the Astros aren't really keen on giving the long term deal anyway. And the fact that you know we don't know with injuries and everything else, you just don't know how it's all going to play out. But just say, hey, we're more comfortable giving you a three year deal right now. Are you cool with that? And if and just kind of you know test the waters to say, are they adamant that they need six or seven? Or are they are they willing to go with us and say, hey, let's do three now and then adjust based on how he feels, how the team feels, and, and just knowing that they're in a different place because he's basically said in the past, look, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna t- talk to Scott. I'll let Scott know kind of where I'm coming from. 
I think he'll dictate the process more than some other client with Scott Boris. Well, you're right. He's just going to be an absolute shark in the water with blood going, I'm getting every single penny I can from my client. I don't give a rat's ass what, you know, what your limitations or what your hesitation is. There's nothing, there's nothing that has shown that Jose Altuve is that guy. Like, so it's, you know, we don't, we don't think that he'll be that. And I think that we have fair reason to think that he won't be this hold the Astros over the barrel and demand, you know, an arm and a leg from Jim Crane. Uh, he's not proven to be that guy. And Scott Boris, like, he gets a, he gets a bad rap, obviously, because he is ruthless. He is cutthroat. He gets top dollar for all of his clients. He also is going to do what his clients want him to do. Uh, he's Lance McCullers' agent. Lance McCullers signed a team-friendly deal. So he's, the, the, the agent's going to do what the client wants the agent to do. Uh, a lot of times... Sometimes client tells the agent, give me the most money you can possibly give me. So we don't know. Like, we don't – like, and they haven't even had negotiations. So, like, even if we guess, they haven't even had a conversation, according to Dana Brown at FanFest a couple of weeks ago. The highest paid second baseman, if we're including Mookie, Bits, uh, Mookie Betts in the second base conversation, he makes $30.5 million a year. AAV, $30.5 million. Jose Altuve is going to be a free agent in 2025, unless the Astros can lock him up prior to then, whenever he's 35 years old. What if Jose Altuve says, I want $30 million for five years? You paying Jose Altuve $30 million for five years when he's 35, 36, 37, 38, and 39? It's kind of hard to say yes to that. It really is. I mean, I'd like to say, well, absolutely, it's Jose Altuve. But you know what? He's been injured a little bit more the la- you know, as he gets later in his career. Um, it's one thing to say that if it's a guy in his prime right now, that might be the going rate. Although you can't argue the fact that when he came back from injury, he was pretty damn good last year again. But we know there's going to be fall off. And it's kind of like what they used to say about Brady, only even more so in this case. We're not expecting him to play in his 40s. And you know that there's going to be a fall off. You just don't know when. And you know if it's going to be gradual or it's going to be severe. I, I, I would have hesitations paying him 30 a year for five years. I really would. Yeah, I'm going to bite the bullet and do it because it's Jose Altuve, the greatest second baseman in the history of the offensive second baseman, perhaps in our generation. I think he'll go down as a top three offensive second baseman, period, and the greatest Houston Astro ever. I'm probably giving him a legends deal. But I, I know when I'm giving – like, if I do that, $30, 30 million a year for five years, 150 over five, I know that when I'm doing that, I'm probably not getting the production at least in the last – Yeah, your years. ROI is basically yeah. out the window. Yeah, it's I I know at least in those last three years, but I'm right. willing to bite the bullet because he's a legend. Like he's the greatest Houston Astro ever. I feel like I have to do it, but I don't think that's an I don't think that's an unfair ask from Jose Altuve either. A guy who has twice taken a team friendly deal. The first one was stupid team mm-hmm. friendly. I don't think it's unfair for Jose Altuve to ask for a hundred and fifty million for five years. That's not the math. Uh, I don't think it's fair for him to unfair for him to ask for thirty million over a five year span. Uh, because he is, is still f- one of the better second basemen in all of baseball. You were right. It's 150. Okay. I, I started yeah. second guessing. No, but so you know what? Here's the thing, five. You're right that he also, he literally holds all the cards. It's just that everybody perceives and expects that he's not going to play him. But you know that no one wants to see him get his 3,000th hit in another uniform. You know that as much as it still irks people about the one-year dream played in Toronto, that we're talking about that kind of legendary status sports-wise in this town and all the Mount Rushmores and discussions that you have about the greatest athletes that have ever played for this city, you know that he could play all those cards if he wanted to, and you know that people are really going to have a red ass if they uh, if he goes somewhere else and he does the things we expect him to do before his career is over to where if he wanted to, he could play hardball. You just don't expect him to do it. Yeah, it's just it's interesting to me that we just we act like Jose Altuve remaining with the Houston Astros is fixed. We act like it's a guarantee, and it's for sure. And in sports, nothing's ever a guarantee, and nothing's ever for sure. And if Jose Altuve asks for fair market value, the Astros would be doing something that they really don't ever do. Like, the Josh Hader free agent contract was the biggest. They gave Jordan Alvarez a big deal, but that locked him, like, whenever he's still in his 20s. You're talking about a guy going into his mid to late 30s. And it's interesting to me. And, again, I'm biting the bullet. I'm just paying him the 150 for five, knowing that it's a legends contract because he's the greatest that has ever done it in that sport in this city. Uh, and I'm willing to just, you know, eat the cost on that. But it's interesting to me how we haven't talked about what the contract looks like. We're mm-hmm. just like, oh, yeah, fairy tale, Jose Altuve, great, wonderful story. And we haven't actually talked the deal. 
And the Astros general manager, Dana Brown, has said that he hasn't even talked with the representation of, of Jose Altuve. What's the most you'd be willing to do uh, for Altuve? You handed him a blank check, 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Ron Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. You can search us on YouTube at ESPN Houston. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. I'm at uh, Jeremy Branham on Twitter. Joe's at Joe George Radio on Twitter if you want to give him a follow. He would appreciate that. Busy show for you for you today. Cash it or trash it coming up later in the show. It is mock draft season, so we got to continue giving everybody what they want. Um, also, if there's that Christian McCaffrey-type trade out there for the Texans, would you want them to pull it off? All this and a lot, lot more whenever we come back. Also, when we return, you know, your thoughts on Altuve, but also let's talk about the general manager thing. I saw this question on Reddit earlier today. James Click or Dana Brown? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. 713-780-ESPN. We'll get to the... James Clicker, Dana Brown conversation in a moment, but some, uh, some people want to have some thoughts about this. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line and get to Gary. Gary, you're in the hive of the bees. What's going on? Hey, what's up, guys? Just want to come in on that two way. I kind of agree, like the five years for 150. I think we should bite the bullet on it, but it's a different point. I, I would say, like, if we don't do that two way, then they absolutely. Um, um, Jeez, I'm drawing a blank. Tucker. <laughs> um, Kyle Tucker. Like, literally, it needs to happen the same day. Like, if Altuve is walking, we need to announce, you know, a, a market, like a market-level deal for Kyle Tucker. So, and I, I think maybe another question is, like, who would we rather have, Altuve for the next three years or get Kyle Tucker for the next eight? I don't know the answer <laughs> to that question. Altuve is a legend, and I would hate to see him walk, but it's either or. Right, and so one of those things need to happen. Although, of course, I would love both, but I feel like that's unrealistic. Gary, what would Nick Casario do? <laughs> hey, I want to officially rescind my my terminate Nick Casario declaration. So, that a boy. I, I, there I, we I, go. I admit when I'm wrong. New year, new leaf. Thank you, Gary. Thanks for the yeah. call. It's February, Blinkers. Well, I mean, it can always change again, right? He's already flipped once. New year. It's February sixth. So what? It took him a while. He hasn't called in a while. <laughs> Um, it, the Altuve for three or Tucker for eight. It's interesting because I think if you move on from Jose Altuve, it actually diminishes the tan- the chances of signing Tucker because it shows you that yeah. they're doubling down on their team philosophy of they're not giving deals to dudes who are going to be in their thirties. So like the I I understand where he's coming from from like a PR perspective. It's like okay, if you're letting Altuve do this, you better have some positive thing that's coming down the pike as well. That way you could spin it to your fan base, season tickets, blah 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 blah. blah. But I think it would be more doubling down on the philosophy that they're not interested in, in long term extensions with players that are going to be in their 30s. So the uh, the the Altuve Tucker like you know switch like if you don't bring back Altuve, you better sign Tucker. I think it would be going against their philosophy and what they're showing you because they wouldn't bring back Altuve and. And then the Altuve versus three versus the Tucker versus eight. I don't like long-term deals with players in their 30s. Tucker becomes a free agent at 29, so he has one year where he's in his 20s of that eight-year deal. I would actually go Altuve three as opposed to Tucker eight. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, I think we both have been on the record as saying Tucker's not going to be here past this contract, and I think that's presumably why. It's because they're not going to break their, their philo- philosophical stance on contracts. And they're not going to suddenly steer from the norm of what they and what their track record says, just to just to kind of move forward and appease, you know, Kyle Tucker because he's 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 a slightly bit younger. I think that Altuve, they're going to push for a three year deal for Altuve. He may push back and and say, look, especially if he's going to give him any kind of discount, and basically utilize that to say, if I'm going to spend the rest of my career here, then regardless of what happens in the last couple of years, we need to make this for five plus five, whatever he's looking for. I would think that there has to be a discussion in there about if we go that long, then it's going to be at a different rate. Because you're right. I mean, he could come back and just kind of say, this is what I want. This is kind of the stuff I'm trying to re- you know, make up for from the deals that I, you've si- you know, I've signed with you in the past. I, I don't see any of this happening, but I think ideally the Astros would probably like to just get three, out of Al- three with Altuve and be done. And I think that his camp's probably looking for five. 
I don't know if they'd be done at three, though. Like it, the other, but the other part of this conversation that we really haven't thrown into it yet is the chase for three thousand. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that Jose Altuve very much is going to want to get to three thousand hits. And Jose Altuve, like last year, was like he played ninety games because of the injury, which which hurts his cause to get to three thousand. But the year before that, played one hundred forty one games at one hundred fifty eight hits. The year before that, one hundred forty six games, one hundred sixty seven hits, and one hundred forty six games were the most he played since two thousand and seventeen. So I think a fair number like for hits that he's going to average is probably around it might be optimistic saying 150 hits a year but he's at he's at 2047 so if he's getting 150 a year 150 300 600 750 900 like he would have to play over he would have to go into his seventh year he would have to go into a seventh year averaging a lot, 150 man. hits. Yeah, so like, is it? So could I see Jose Altuve asking for a five-year deal? Yeah, I think Jose Altuve has it in his plans to play seven more years. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that's not – I agree with you. He's going to play until he gets to 3,000. I think it means that much to him, and I think that that's a goal. But I, I would see the Astros trying to say, let's do – you know, if we're going to do multi-years, let's do three and then – and then go year to year or something like that. But again, Boris is going to laugh in your face. If Altuve's putting, if Altuve's drawing the line in the sand and saying, I'm not doing a deal unless it's five years, then you have to operate with that information. You you don't have any, like it takes two to tango. He didn't have to sign a contract with you. So it's, it'd be yeah. nice if he does the three years. But if Altuve's like, I'm not doing anything less, for, less than five, okay, well now you have to operate on that new information knowing that you have to make it either a, you, you spend more than you're willing to spend or you make the tough decision of less him walk. Yeah, I think this is the one situation that they've avoided to this point, which is being on the hook for a possibly not deadly, but a possibly very tough contract to swallow because they've they've gotten away from and been able to walk away from the multitude of players we've talked about during this golden era and this run. This is one where they might not be able to walk away. You would hope that if you're going to be willing to go five, he's going to give you a, a, a good deal, but because he's given you deals in the past, there's nothing that promises he's going to be that cooperative. I, he, you know, the way he comes across and the way he's handled things so far, you're hoping or you would assume that it's going to go that way, but you just don't know. And Boris is that wild card. But I would say if they're going to five years, that they're talking about it at a pretty friendly rate. It's got to be in the like the low twenties to me if they're talking five years. I, if he hit the open market, what's he getting paid? I mean, do you think that because like Virginia, Virginia poses this on Twitch: give Altuve the John Clay Wolf treatment, make him show you a better offer than beat it or give him a hundred dollars. So like, let's just say you match it because he wants to be in Houston. If he if he enters free agency, I think he could get a hundred and fifty for five. Do you? Yeah, I do. I just think there's a lot of teams right now, especially with some of the contracts already going to be on their books, even the big name teams that are going to go. I don't know if I can go for a guy that's going to be you know approaching 40, 30 million a year, no matter how good he's been in his career. He's, given you, an, he's given you a 920 OPS two years ago, 915 last year. He's hitting over 300 in each of the last two seasons. Whenever he stays healthy, he's still playing at a top – like 2022 is a top five MVP. He finished fifth in MVP voting. 2023, if he would have played the full allotment of games, he had better numbers than he did the year before. Very, very similar numbers uh, than he did the year before. Better in on-base, little, little less in slugging, et cetera, et cetera. And he plays a, a, a position where there's not a lot of offensive firepower. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that there's a deal out there for him in 2025. I, I would, that's 150. Uh, there are teams that, like, if you, I, I went to 2025 and looked at payroll. The, the first team that comes to mind because of a move they just made, the Baltimore Orioles payroll projection right now in 2025 is $20 million. So imagine like the Baltimore Orioles saying with Adley Rushman and, and Gunner and all those guys figuring out a way to bring in Altuve to play second base. Like I, I don't know if it works there. Cincinnati has $68 million. Like there are, The Boston Red Sox only have $97 million. Like there are a lot of teams that are in good markets, solid teams. That like If Altuve hits free agency, I think they'd be willing to spend on him. So like, I, I think that deal five is, years? I think so. I think there are teams out there. Hell, like the Angels, the Yankees, the Cubs, like – there are teams that are out there. The Mets are spending all this money. They think they're going to be trying to win by then. The money will be there for Altuve if he hits free agency. But don't you think that winning matters too? Don't you feel like he's so conditioned to win right now too? It should. And winning the majority of his career once they started winning? I, I would think so. But like I don't I don't think he's going to sign with like the Rockies. Uh, but like a team like Baltimore or, or 
you know, the match. Baltimore the makes sense. Like that. The Reds are coming up. Why does he have to? Why does he have to win though? Like I know that he's been a winner in his career, but he has two World Series titles. Like he doesn't need to chase a ring to chase a legacy. That's not like, true. The legacy's already there. So instead of maybe chasing the rings, he's chasing one final cash grab. That's also giving him a guarantee to chase all-time records. Yeah, I think that it means enough to him. I think that, like I said, I, I believe that he's going to look at this, and unless that's why I think that he's going to stay too, is the fact that unless he feels like the window is closing here, and yeah, Bregman could depart, but if they still have a legit chance to keep winning and winning, he he just seems to be one of those players where that actually means something. You're right; he could but go again, for a straight cash game. Right? Like, that's, we don't that's know. That's the thing. He's like, we don't know, and like the uncertainty of this is the thing that blows my mind. Because like, look, we're arguing like two different sides of this. You could be 100% right. I could be 100% right, and we have no clue. And it's kind of like whenever I had that light bulb moment yesterday, I'm like, how has this not been talked about yet? How has this not been a conversation that has come up? We're just, like, again, acting like it's a guarantee that Jose Altuve is going to be back. We don't know that to be 100% the case, like, because of Altuve's side. Like, Altuve's proven, like, at least given us information in the past where he's willing to do team-friendly deals. We don't know if that's going to continue. The Astros have been sh- have been have shown you plenty of times that they don't like paying huge money uh, to any player. So, like, there's that part of the equation, too. Like, it's it's a fascinating conversation. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Pena, you're in the hive with the bees. What's up, Pena? Hey, what's going on, guys? So, first and foremost, Altuve has to stay here. But at his age, five years, 150, I'm sorry, man. But, no, I'm not going to pay you for what you did. I feel like you're going to do. Same same reason I I called uh, uh, Paul Galan a a, a dumbass when he he said you got to pay Justin Verlander for what he did. No, man, we're going to pay you for what you're going to do. Altuve, your time your time has came up. You should have you should have you should have made that money when you had a chance, but you chose to to, to take a team friendly deal twice, and we appreciate you for that. But th- their time is gone, man. I'm sorry, but at one, five years, one fifty, I can't do it, man. I'm sorry, Altuve. Altuve, I love you, but no, man. Sorry. Thank you. Have a great day. You got it. <laughs> I was just thinking about this when he was talking too. At least you could take two of the big dogs probably out of the equation, right? Because the Dodgers and Yankees would be like sacrilegious to put Altuve on their team. I don't know, man. Really? If if the Yankees could sign an offensive weapon that uh, you know either you play him at second base, you probably gonna DH him a bit. I wouldn't. Now the Yankees have been a little bit more financially frugal than we expect the Yankees to be. They have I, to be with I just the missteps they. I made. wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past them though. I wouldn't put. I wouldn't put it past the Yankees and the Dodgers if, if they had a chance to bring in Jose Altuve to bring in Jose Altuve. Like the whole. Well, you know, you had the sign stealing stuff. We don't really admire that. We don't appreciate that. I mean, the Yankees had Marwin Gonzalez, Cameron Maben, Carlos Beltran on the Yes Network, and then they claimed Matt Gage the other day. Like it's all a yeah, but Actions those guys compared to the. Frontman poster Marwin child. Marwin Gonzalez was the well. Yeah, right, but he was the poster child. He shouldn't have been unfairly. He's right, right. He was, but unfairly. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez is the biggest benefactor of that, and they they brought in Marwin Gonzalez. Yeah, but there's a massive difference in terms of the clout and the 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 marketing weight and everything, the the exposure of an That's Altuve versus versus uh, Marwin. And yeah, and John Boy just blew it all up. You know, and created the whole monster. But I, that's why I think that, I mean, I'd be hopeful, obviously, the Dodgers and Yankees would stay away from them. And then I don't know that the Cubs would even want to get in. Red Sox would be a concern because they, they obviously have a ton of money to spend and they always have been willing to spend it. But man, I just hope we don't get to this point. I just sent John Boy a tweet. Maybe, maybe he'll respond to me. I said, hey, John Boy, if the Yankees could get Altuve, would you be okay with it? 713-780-ESPN. More text on this. We'll get to the Brown conversation as well. Hilmer James Click, 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Uh, one thing that you never have to decide uh, whenever you're choosing your spirits, well, you should pick General Ben each and every time. The only decision you should be making are, well, which one do you want to drink that day? Is it the vodka? Had some of that last night. Is it the gin? I'll probably have some of that in the next couple of days. Is it the bourbon? That's my favorite. I've been telling you for a while now that Gentle Ben is the absolute best. And make this year the year that you make some cleaner choices with Gentle Ben. It all starts with the finest ingredient, classic time-honored distilling methods. Gentle Ben uses their innovative process that removes the harshness that's found in most spirits. The result is unparalleled smoothness and an enjoyable drinking experience. You get all the flavor, none 
of the burn. You'll love what's not in it, including undesirable acids. These acids take the enjoyments out of your take the enjoyment out of your drinks. Well, Gentle Ben gets rid of the undesirable acids, so you don't ever have to worry about that. Gentle Ben offers vodka, gin, straight bourbon, whiskey, and cast strength bourbon. All are fantastic. All are in my rotation. Put them all in your rotation right now. Look for Gentle Ben at the liquor store. Whatever's on your way home, pick up a bottle today. Next time you head to dinner, go to your favorite bar. Ask for Gentle Ben. Head to the Gentle Ben tasting room in Alvin if you're looking for some weekend plans. If you're going to the Toyota to center for a Rockets game or a concert soon, stop by Ben's Bar and pick up some Gentle Ben on the way to your seats as well. Or you can go the Lazy Bones route. Just go to GentleBin.com. That's right. Head over to GentleBin.com. You can add the vodka, add the gin, add the bourbon straight to your cart. They'll deliver it straight to your doorstep. Gentle Ben, smoothest, honest. Razor Blunt Commentary. Delivered with a special purpose. What's happening to my special purpose? It's the Killer Bees. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. He's blank on Branham. Poncho says that uh, he's going to start a GoFundMe to supplement whatever offer the Astros throw at him. Who's with him? We'll see what kind of support Poncho can drive up. Todd, the show says uh, Altuve is small and compact, so he isn't getting a lot of wear and tear on his body. It sounds similar to the Mike Vrabel's too big to be an NFL head coach in 2024. Here's the reality about Jose Altuve's injuries. We'll go with that instead of body. The last time that Jose Altuve's played in 150 games or more was 2017. Mm-hmm. So, like, and you usually don't get healthier whenever you turn 34, 35, 36, 37. Usually it goes the other way, unless he has this Benjamin Button thing, which his offensive numbers have kind of been some Benjamin Button-y type of thing since the last couple of years. But he hasn't played in 150 games since 2017. 137 and 18, 124 and 19, COVID year, whatever, 48 of the 60 and 20. 146 and 21, 141 and 22. He played 90 games last year. Yeah, look, I think that... That's the biggest concern, and we talk about it across sports, and and you need your guys, whether you think they're injury-prone or not, but you need them to be uh, on the field um, you know, the majority of the time. And the track record lately has been of, you know, and obviously this, this last one started this last season with something out of his control when he got hit on the hand uh, in the WBC. Mm-hmm. But, you know, whenever he runs the bases, it seems like you hold your breath. Not as quite as bad as you do with Jordan, but at the same time, normally when he's running the bases, one, the result is not good, and two, there's a lot of times when he's come up lame, coming up lame running down the first baseline, coming up lame trying to steal or go from first to third, and you're like, eh, is he starting to break down? And that is a concern when you're signing a deal like this. Ideally, yeah, he's chasing 3,000, but a lot that's going to that's gonna factor in in terms of the get. does he get 150, 160, 175 hits in a year is going to be more so before his skills even diminish, can he stay healthy enough to get the at-bats necessary year to year, especially if you're looking at five years? 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Key from L.A. says that uh, he would gladly take Jose Altuve uh, on the Dodgers. He said he'll love their new video guy, too. That really uh, helped Mookie Betts last season. He's not new. He's just improved. Yeah, he's not. He's new to L.A. Uh, 0405, pay Altuve what he wants. He'll put more fans in the stands compared to anyone replacing him. Does he? Does Jose Altuve, I mean, does, does Altuve sell tickets, or is it the Astros winning a bunch of games that sells the tickets? Well, I think it's a combo platter. Again, he's still the poster child for this team. No matter how good Jordan is uh, and, and Verlander and other guys on this squad, I, I think that there is a pretty good gap between Altuve and everybody else in terms of fan favorite. I mean, look, my daughter's favorite player is Jose Altuve. She wants to go see him play in person. Do you all buy season tickets? No, we don't buy season tickets, <laughs> but we're going to go to games because – you know, she wants to see – she wears 27 because of Jose Altuve. She wants to see him play first and foremost. I think there's a lot of people like that in the city. There's no doubt in my mind that he can help to sell tickets. He's not going to help to sell enough tickets that's going to, you know, kind of supplement the fact that you're trying to – you know, you're going to need to come up with five to seven extra million dollars a year if he's looking for 30. I think it's what the team looks like. Like when Biggio was chasing 3,000, the Astros weren't that good. Mm-hmm. And they did well in terms of, like, the gate whenever there was – he was chasing down the 3,000, and like when he was close to the 3,000. Mm-hmm. But whenever he was at 2,975, it wasn't fantastic. Whenever he was at 3,001, 
It wasn't fantastic. So, like, you, the team, winning is what sells in Houston. Yep. Winning is what sells in Houston, not necessarily the players. And, and the numbers were fantastic a year ago, but you also know the same lows are going to be there. Whether out, and the only thing that may change it is if he's, if he's like you said, on the cusp of, of breaking 3,000, is the fact that weekday games, no matter what, until school's out, you're just not going to sell as many tickets. And, you know, it, it, it's sometimes your promotions, like ring nights or bobbleheads, can up it a little bit. But at the end of the day, you're not talking about the sizable amount of money that, of a gap you're trying to close in terms of a negotiation. Yeah, he's marketable. Yeah, he puts some butts in seats. But it's not a significant number like some people may be thinking. Desert Stroh says uh, five years, $135 million, which averages out to $27 mil per year. That sounds like a pretty good meet in the middle to me. Like that, I, I can do that. A, I think that's it's a, a little number. much, but you're right. You bite the bullet a little, a little bit to say, hey, there is a little bit of thanks for the memories and staying here means something as much as it's what you think he's going to be product, productivity wise going forward. Hey, man, it's still that's a big number. It it's, is. Uh, it's still a five years. I think that's a. I think it's a fair compromise. That's a good number there, Desert. Uh, I think it's fair for both sides. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Frank, you're in the hive of the bees. What's up? Hey, what's going on, guys? Everyday listeners. Uh, hey, so your last caller. I guarantee that guy has three Altuve jerseys in his closet, <laughs> two of which no longer fit anymore. Okay, that's not Jose that's Altuve. Pena's a good dude. dude. He's a loyal. Jose Altuve has <laughs> Jose Altuve has been to the Astros. What we always wanted Bagwell and Biggio to be. They're good guys, but this guy's a winner. And you guys just hit it on the head. Five years, one hundred and thirty million. That's still a compromise. Twenty-seven million is a really big number. But you know what? The city of Houston owes that guy, and I understand it's a business, and we're still trying to win. But I mean, it's not like he's going to be crippled. Obviously, if something like that happens, then you have to change your approach. But I think at the very least, we owe it to him for everything he's done. He got us over the hump. Before this, we were the Astros that lost to the Braves and the Padres and the NLCS, and that was the best we ever did. You know, even in the World Series. I didn't like that in 05. We just got swept. I mean, we were lucky to be there. So, I mean, it was great and all, but this guy makes the biggest difference for us, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is, is kind of to, to Frank's point, he steps up on the biggest stage. When you need him the most, he steps up the biggest. Even last year against the Rangers, think about the bomb that he hit that changed the complexion, at least for a day or two, uh, of where the Astros were in that series. And, and you know, obviously all the different times against Chapman and all those big events. But I, I honestly believe, Jeremy, if we're, God willing, if we're still doing this show and we're still talking about him, you know, at, at, towards the end of his career and even in the middle of a five-year contract, we're going to be talking about the Jose Altuve rules. You have to go station to station. You can't yeah. try and steal bases, you know, stop doing a lot of the things that we do with Jordan because I think he's just going to get more fragile, and I think that obviously everybody's going to be more and more concerned. Hey, with, I, his, with as bad as he is running the bases with his aggression, that's not a bad right. thing to implement now just so that you can have less outs on the base pass. I think for me, like, the biggest question with Altuve, it, it goes back to Jim Crane. Like, like, who are you going to be as an owner? Like, yeah, Bregman can, can walk and, and Tucker, that's fine. But, like, if you want to pay... Altuve a contract that just keeps him here, but also makes him like very, very rich. Are, are you just going to be the Tigers? Like, is he going to be your Miguel Cabrera, mm-hmm. or are you going to still try to win and potentially have you know a big contract that's holding you back? But, like, you can't let it hold you back. You have to be a team that still spends a ton of money. If you're not willing to spend, and this hater thing was a one-off. Then you have to probably let Altuve walk if he wants too much money, as hard as that is. But but, but first and foremost, Joe, when you think, because the hater deal is what I went to first. He's not going to commit the kind of money he committed to hater and then let the rest of the team fall to hell in a handbasket and just go to pot and just say, you know what? We're just going to tough it out, sign Altuve, ride this thing into the sunset. I think his intention is to stay competitive, to stay trying to win. It's just how do you do that? And I look at the Bregman situation and say, this is going to be the first one that has a little... Correa was big for a lot of people, and they were drawn to him. I don't think that this is one where Jim Crane is going to basically hold his breath and, and, and worry about how the people are going to react. I think you can replace Alex Bregman. Unless he has just an, a monster year this year, we've already seen the decline enough that if he's chasing the big dollars... I don't think you're going to get as much backlash as you even got on Correa if he walks, and I think you can find another third baseman in the short term to keep this thing going. Tucker's going to be a more difficult scenario because Tucker and everybody's like, well, he fell off in the playoffs. That doesn't matter. I'm not expecting Kyle Tucker to fall off when we start for real coming up in a couple of months. I, I just think Kyle Tucker's going to continue to be who he is. Now, if you don't want to pay that, that's one thing, but can you replace him? That's going to be a bigger challenge. See, letting, letting players walk, people, people have this 
they, they come to this conclusion that when you let a player walk that you're not doing what's in the best interest of winning. And I think that's an incredibly flawed thing to say. Uh, and you can use it to the players that are here. Signing Carlos Correa to the contract that he was demanding and that he eventually signed wasn't the best thing for winning. Uh, I would argue George Springer's contract, not in the best interest mm-hmm. of winning. Go look at all these big deals. And now it's changed. Like Baseball general managers are starting to wisen up where they're, they're locking these guys up younger, Bobby Witt. But go look at all the big contracts paid to free agents who are 28, 29, 30 years old and see how many of them worked. That wasn't in the best interest of winning. So, like, everybody has this conception that whenever you let them walk, you don't care about winning, when actually I think it's the opposite. I think that you have winning over personal preference. And, and loyalty. The best thing that you can possibly do in the interest of winning. You can make the case that, like, signing Altuve to $150 million for five years is a bad decision because he's going to be 35, 36, 37, 38, 39. But to Frank's point, like, I am biting the bullet on a legend because he is all those things. And you know me. Like, I'm, I don't mm-hmm. care about feelings. I don't. Like, this is cutthroat. This is about winning. This is probably about the bottom line more than we really give it credit for a lot of times or or give it the value that it's deserved. But because it's Jose Altuve, he is the one player that I'm willing to bite the bullet for as opposed to Correa, Springer, Cole, Verlander, uh, Bregman, even Tucker. Altuve is the one player for me because he is the greatest in franchise history. If I have to overpay slightly so he retires in Houston, I'm doing it. I think Joe brings up a good point too. If Crane does go that route and make sure that Jose Altuve is here forever, is he willing to spend money on top of that? Or is he not? Is he Miguel Cabrera? Is he Joey Votto? Now, the Reds were actually decent last year. But is he that just that big contract that you have and then you don't feel a very good team around him? That's something that scares me because that's, that's the way it was with Biggio. Yeah, but when you look at who's under contract for the foreseeable future, you're not going to be quite – the cupboard's not going to be quite as bare as it was in Detroit because you got Jordan on a really team-friendly deal for the long term. You've got Yiner for several years. You're still dealing with years on Pena. So I think that while that window of Altuve's contract, no matter how long it is, it, it, you're going to be on financial watch, bottom line watch, to make sure that you know, you're know you well, not – by the end of it. I mean, not, not by the end of it. If you, if you sign Altuve to a five-year deal after this year, Pena would be gone. Jordan was, what, six-year extension on top of the – I forget exactly when Jordan runs out. But Tucker would be gone. I think Yiner would be in his final year. Fromber mm-hmm. would be gone. Javier would be gone. Hunter Brown would be gone. Javier's so, would be gone? Done? Yeah, I think Javier's contract extension was – I don't remember off the top of my head. But was it I five? He, I don't think he would span six years. Yeah, it was a five-year deal. Okay. Well, at least there's enough guys there up until maybe the final year of the deal where you're going to be competitive. I think you're going to be better than the Tigers, but that's not what anybody's expecting here either. But that's why I think you can walk from Bregman. I think you can walk from Tucker. I would be I would be hoping that at you know you, there's a, there are options out there with free agency and otherwise where shorter term but yet similar type players you can try you, you're going to try your damnedest to replace them with you know, as close to the same kind of caliber without the heartstrings, but without Tuve, it's different. It's just, it's totally different because the legacy, the legendary status, the way he, to Frank's point, the way he stepped up in the playoffs, not just how he was as an all-star or, you know, some of the other accolades and accomplishments, it's different. And, and, and they have to treat him as such. And you still have that dream situation that weighs in a lot of people's minds too. You don't want that with him. You want him to finish his career in orange and blue. Yeah, this isn't a let Altuve walk take. This is a let's have a real conversation mm-hmm. about what a contract extension for Jose Altuve looks like because no one else has dared to have it. Seven one three seven eight, and that includes Altuve and Dana Brown. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. It is mock draft season. How are we making the Texans better? And if we put ourselves in Nick Casario's shoes, we probably have to cut out the toe uh, to fit our feet into it. But what would we do? Skiller Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Guys, we all know the big game's coming up this weekend. It's a great time to have a MyBookie account because if you already got one, you know. And if you don't, now's the time to get one because you can cash in. Yeah, you can cash in before you even place a bet because they are going to take care of you as a customer that listens to our show. NFL playoffs are right there with the big game coming up this weekend. They also have NBA and college hoops nightly, as well as golf, soccer, hockey. Just about any sporting event, if it's going on, there's a chance you could wager on it, and it's all done the best at mybookie.ag because they take care of you with all kinds of bonuses. Just always remember our promo code. It's bet975. When you go to mybookie.ag and you either create
create an account or reload your account and use that bonus code, you are going to see bonuses in your account almost instantly. Everything from fifty to a thousand dollars. You put a hundred in your account, use our promo code, you got two hundred in your account almost instantly. That means more money in your account, more games you can bet on, and of course, more chances for you to win. It's fantastic. You get a friend to sign up. There's a bonus for that as well. There's all kinds of bonuses, but the only way you can figure out how you can untap and unlock those resources is to use our promo code whenever you see a chance. Bet nine seven five. As I always tell you, you need to start playing today and understand how it can pay off for you. Always use the promo code bet nine seven five nine seven five and do what I always tell you to do. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with the only place I tell you to do it. MyBookie.ag. It's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy this next bit of brilliance with Joel and Jeremy. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees. Let's make the uh, Texans great again. He's blank, I'm Brandon. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. It is mock draft season as we make the Texans better. Uh, Today's mock comes courtesy of Matt Miller of ESPN.com. He had a two-round mock. We're only going to look at the first year, though. Uh, no surprise at the top. Caleb Williams goes number one to Chicago. Joe, Joe's happy. Uh, Drake May, number two to Washington. I still think they trade up to one. Uh, Jaden Daniels, number three to the Patriots. Marvin Harrison in that traditional spot to Arizona at four. Malik Neighbors. Here's a run on receivers. Malik Neighbors, five to the Chargers. That's surprising to me. Because, like, they drafted Quentin Johnston last year. wasn't very good. Keenan Allen makes a lot of money, but they might have to move on. Roma Dunze goes number six to the Giants. Control-Alt-Delete. Joe Alt goes to the Titans at number seven. Uh, Terry and Arnold, eighth to the Falcons. Olulumawa Fashuna, the offensive tackle from Penn State, goes to the Bears. And then uh, number ten, Talis Fuaga of Oregon State goes to the Jets. Uh, quarterbacks that are between the 10th pick and the Texans pick, Bo Nix to the Broncos at 12, J.J. McCarthy to the Raiders at 13. Um, Brock Bauer slides to 14 to the Saints here. Ooh, that's another one where if my GM hat's on, if he's sliding past 10, there's got to be some calls made, and I, I just can't see that he gets 14 seems awfully low for him. Yeah, it's the second time in a row that we've seen him slide into yep. the teens. Byron Murphy, the Texas defensive tackle, 16, and nothing else of tremendous interest. All right, so the Texans are on the clock. He has the Texans going with the corner, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Joe George's favorite name in the draft uh, from Alabama. If the Texans select Kool-Aid McKinstry first round of the NFL draft, you okay with that? Yeah, I think a lot depends on Stevie Nelson. That would tell me they're probably moving on from Stevie Nelson, don't want to pay that price tag and feel like they can get a young guy to kind of pair with Stingley. Uh, and for both the long and the short term, they can be good and then better as the, the two guys continue to mature. So I'd be just fine with that because I think it would probably tell you what they're going to do in part or what they didn't do in free agency with Stevie Nelson. And it would also tell you that, hey, this is part of our bigger plan. Stevie Nelson bridged the gap. He did what we needed him to do for the couple years that he was here. Now we're ready to go and kind of lock down another corner so that we can we can continue to get better as we go forward for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I'd have no problem with Kool-Aid McKinstry if he's the pick here. I think that he could be your starting corner opposite of uh, Derek Stingley Jr. Um, so cool with that. Cool with that. The, the picks after Kool-Aid McKinstry, Keon Coleman of Florida State, he, they have him going to Dallas. Doesn't mm-hmm. really matter here. Cooper DeJean, the corner from Iowa. And then at number 26, Troy Fatunu. The, uh, they have him listed as a guard. Can play tackle or guard. Probably a guard at the next level. So if you have your choice between these four, your Nick Casario, draft night, Kool-Aid McKinstry, corner from Bama, Keon Coleman, wide receiver from Florida State, Cooper DeJean, corner from Iowa, Troy Fatuna, the guard from Washington. What's the selection? This is the best one we've had yet because it gives us a lot of different options. I would have loved if Tampa Bay would have taken a defensive tackle. But at the same time, I look at it and I say, look, Green Bay or Kool-Aid or Dijon, it doesn't matter. You're looking at either a corner, a wide receiver, or a guard slash tackle. To me, I'm staying with Kool-Aid McKinstry because of the fact that as much as you would love to have a wide, another wide receiver in the room, you realize you already got two that are above average. So you don't, there's not that overwhelming need. There, there would be a great, there's still a need, but it's not as overwhelming as say, you're knowing that Steve, if you're, if you're moving on from Steven, even if you're not, we talked about this yesterday, but I'm assuming that they're going to, if they're moving on from Stevie Nelson, that's the, the biggest need that they're going to have. Offensive line, I think they've spent a lot of money and they spent draft capital last year. Yeah, they could maybe in the later rounds or kind of down the road in the draft get another offensive lineman. But I think the most pressing need to me would be that they need a corner and then I would stay with Kool-Aid and just you know figure out that you've got the bookend next to Stingley. What's your plan at left guard, though, if Kenyon Green's a bust and Jared Patterson's just a guy that you draft in the sixth round? 
look, I think Nick's been willing to push the envelope as close to the start of the season as he has to, depending on how long it takes to evaluate what he's got. I think that you got a yeah, guy. You were critical of that. You were critical of that last I year. was. I was. Well, but it was more than just one guy. It was the fact that from an insurance standpoint, because while you were you were not telling us what you already knew about one guy, you also you know were trying to figure out like what was going. You didn't expect that your center was going to go down too, and that you were going to have to kind of play musical chairs uh, early on, and then throughout the season. And I don't think he was prepared enough. But I think from this standpoint, you've got a guy that can play multiple positions in juice. You've got a guy coming back in Patterson. You've got everybody else seemingly should be okay with the exception of Kenyon Green. And if he comes back, now there's an extra insurance policy and so or your starter. So who are you starter. playing at left guard? It's, it's, I, if, if Patterson's your center, until, if in your scenario, then I'm going to play juice at center. If I'm not dealing with your scenario. Well, it was my scenario. I think it was your scenario. Well, no, you just threw it out to me and said, what if Patterson shows he can't play? Yeah, if you don't draft a guard. That's your scenario. I'm just saying that if you look at it from the standpoint of Juice can play multiple positions, that, you know, I, I can. I'm, they're going to give every Kenyon Green, in my opinion, they're going to give Kenyon Green every chance to succeed. It depends on how they feel of Kenyon Green and, like, what I should, like, what I think of their interior offensive line. If they feel like Kenyon Green still has a chance, then, like, okay, then give Kenyon Green a chance. Like, if D'Amico and Casario are saying, we still believe in this guy, okay, like, you, you've earned my benefit of the doubt with how you performed this year. Okay, I'll listen to that. But if they feel like Kenyon Green is a bust and he's not going to be very good, I don't want them to sit there and continue to beat their heads over the wall on a guy that they think is a bust. And if they think that Kenyon's a bust and Jared Patterson was only a six-rounder, and Juice Scruggs to me is a center, not a left guard. Um, I know he played there admirably, but I think he's future positions at center. I think it's, it's where he has the highest ceiling. If that's the process, like, I give me a guard. Like, give me a guard. Like, I can't sit here and, like, not be able to run the football because I can't block. So... It depends on what they think of Kenyon Green. Like, if they think Kenyon Green still got a chance, okay, all right, all right, I'll, I'll take the benefit of the doubt there. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I'll trust you on that. But if you think he's a bust, you can't just, like, continue to try and hope that it and pray that it works out. You have to make your decision. You have to make your decision now if you're Casario and D'Amico. And they have more information than we do. Yeah, and, and you might who's to say they could get a guard in the second or third round or sure. later? So they could go that route, too. But, you know, for me, a lot we don't know because we don't know if Grenard's coming back. We don't know if Stevie Nelson's coming back. And that's what makes this challenging because of the fact that if we knew they were ready to let walk away from one or both, that would change everything in terms of how we prioritize and what they need to do. But because it's all kind of up in the air for now, I'm assuming with, with corners on the board, if they go corner and, and, he, and he pencils in a corner for the Texans, I'm assuming that's the sign they're moving on from Stevie Nelson. I'm going to go in this scenario, since I'm the GM here, I'm letting Steven Nelson walk, and I'm going with the corner, too. Uh, I'm going with Kool-Aid McKinstry at number 23. I'm sticking with this one. Joe, what are you doing here? Uh, I'm going to go corner, but I'm taking Cooper. I, oh, I, I love this kid. This, like, this, 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 this tracks. This is who oh, you are. Why? Because you like the white guys. I have a racial profile Ooh, in here, Jeremy. You like the white guys. Ooh, yeah, this is. I was going to say Big Ten, not white. I would say Big Ten as well, not white, but that's fine, but too. But you, you did this the other day with quarterbacks. You did this the other day with quarterbacks, What are you talking about? Too. When? I can't remember. We were getting on to you about something where you prefer the white quarterback. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't remember the context. You, you guys did. I don't remember the context, but I certainly remember it. I like Cooper. I think he's a good ball player, so I would take him. Okay. I'm not All taking right. a guard. Who would you take? 713-780-ESPN. I'm going to duck out. I've had enough of you guys. Uh, the questions that could define the Super Bowl. Blankers and Joe George will discuss and take you the rest of the way. It's Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.